Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of Storytime with Dave. I'm your host, Dave. And it's been a while. It's been a little hiatus. We'll get into all that. I just watched. I just uh, finished watching the World Cup final. That was pretty good. I didn't watch the whole match. I kind of, I started watching it like 75 minutes because I, I forgot it was on. I was just laying in bed. I forgot it was on. And I wasn't really upset because it's soccer after all. That's the thing. Like, it was a really good match. But it's still soccer. So I don't know if any of, like, if any of you are soccer people. I kind of get it. A little bit, but there was a game yet like yesterday during the day, just a regular season football game, the Vikings against the Colts. It was a regular season game, like kind of important, but not even that important. And the Vikings came back from 33 nothing, and it was a better game than the World Cup final. Like it was more exciting. So I'm just saying, as good as that soccer game was, and it was about as good as a soccer game could be, it's still soccer. And that's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. And there wasn't a ton of flopping from what I saw, which I I did appreciate, because that makes soccer so hard to watch when they writhe around on the ground because someone stepped on their ankle. And then they're rolling around on the ground, writhing in pain for two and a half minutes. So at the end of the half, they have to play 12 minutes of extra time because altogether throughout the 45 minutes, there was 12 minutes of writhing around in pain on the ground, which is hard to watch. It's embarrassing. Taking a sip early. Early sip, because there's a lot. I ain't going through a lot of water this episode. Because, <sighs> like, a lot has gone on. And I know you probably missed me, and you, you wanted me, you wanted my help making sense of all of this. I mean, the last time I spoke to you, I don't know how long ago it was. It must have been, like, six weeks. But I don't even think this Kanye stuff had really kicked into gear. So all of that happened. We haven't talked about it. I'm kind of glad I didn't. And we'll get into that. I mean, there's been all this Twitter stuff with Elon as the new boss, the Twitter files, whatever that's about, (coughs) which isn't that crazy. There's been a lot. I mean, there's Trump stuff. There's Trump stuff going on. We'll talk about Trump a little bit. There's DeSantis stuff. Because I've been confused too, and I don't really know what to always make of all of these things. It's hard. It's like when, when, the, when the Kanye stuff first started happening, I was like, where is Mo? I need Mo facts. Because he hadn't put out an episode in a while. He, he hadn't put out one in like a month, and I just kept waiting. I was like, I need Mo to make sense of this for me. I don't know what's going on with this guy, because I still love Kanye. But I just want a better idea of what's going on with that man. And Mo was able to help me and the Hoteps, Hotep Jesus and Uncle Hotep were able to help me make sense of that. 
Owen Benjamin as well, who I, I thought was like a piece of shit, but knowing nothing about him really, and not really having listened to him before. But I think he's solid, especially because of his perspective. You got this guy who was like in Hollywood, in comedy, like big in comedy, you know, was an actor, and then moved out. He really was the original canceled. I mean, not really, but when they went hardest. Because when they go hardest, it's like they're going after your bank account. They're going after you in ways that they ordinarily would not. This is not just about you getting kicked off of social media. And then he kind of like went off the grid and moved to a farm. And he, you know, like raises animals now. He still does his podcast. He's got an interesting perspective. It's kind of like, I think one of the reasons for that is like, why that's valuable, why that's a valuable perspective to have is, it's like, uh, not to get too pretentious and annoying, but if you, if you know any, if you know Nietzsche, who's a philosopher and wrote a book called Thus Spoke Zarathustra, which is about this guy who, you know, lives in the society, but then he leaves the society for 10 years to just like reflect and think and philosophize. And then he comes back with the answers. He's discovered these things. He comes back with the answers. We talked about this before, but it was a long time ago, back when I really liked Nietzsche and other like similar philosophers. So he leaves for 10 years and then he comes back and he's got all these answers, but everyone just laughs at him. They think he's crazy. But what he's saying is like, interesting and certainly not to be laughed at but just for these people because seemingly while he's been gone like getting smarter and and getting a deeper understanding they've been getting worse and dumber and then he realizes oh my god this isn't for everyone my message is for very a select few that's kind of was Nietzsche's thoughts on his own philosophy he's like this isn't for everybody in fact it's for very few people so when you look at like Owen Benjamin kind of going off the grid, I just think that gives you like a, a unique perspective that a lot of people aren't going to have where they could pull themselves, be so deeply ingrained in the system of Hollywood and comedy, pull yourself out, then be living this simple lifestyle. I think that gives you a unique perspective, like the guy or not. I don't really, I can't really think of other people who are going to give you that kind of perspective. So, you know, he's been helpful too. So you got to find people that you trust. I mean, it's like when you go along and you're trying to learn things and you find new people, you keep finding new people. So when you start out on this journey, whatever you want to call it, of trying to like get to the truth. That's the most basic way to put it. And I guess there's like, it's hard to say that there's like an absolute truth, but you start with like Ben Shapiro. You start with like Jordan Peterson. And then you're like, okay, let's move on from here. Like this is, 
this was a fine starting point. They might pull you out. Like if you came from where I came from, which was being like a shit lib progressive and you want to rip yourself out of that, they can help pull you out of that. Especially Jordan was very helpful. I mean, now he's really annoying. And I know that hurts a lot of people for me to say that because some of you are fans of his still, which is fine. And I still like enjoy some of his older videos. I don't really watch him anymore. If I was going to watch something, I would not watch something within like the last two, three years. I'd be watching older stuff, maybe some of his lectures. But I mean, the guy's like, I, I tweeted this as like, I tweeted the other day because he's, he keeps going on and on about how anonymous accounts on Twitter are like the devil. He just goes off about how awful the people who have anonymous accounts are narcissistic, machi- mach- they're narcissistic Machiavellians. I don't know. I'm sorry. Lauren's way better at the Jordan Peterson impression than I am. I'm not that. They're, what precisely do you mean by Machiavellian, Jordan? What precisely do you mean, Jordan? What are other things that he says? I don't know, whatever. But he's like, these are, they're Machiavellian narcissists. They're all Machiavellian narcissists because they have... He's like, I'm just going into Irish. They're Machiavellian narcissists because they, they have anonymous accounts. They're Machiavellian narcissists. Machiavellian narcissists. He just goes on and on about that. And I, I tweeted like... I quote tweeted one of his just ridiculous like off the like unhinged tweets about this and I said you either you either die of your benzo addiction or you live long enough to see yourself become very cringe because that's what we're witnessing with Jordan <clears throat> you know I mean I wish him well and I'm glad that he didn't die from that that um you know benzo soiree of his it's probably not the best way to put it but if he had died then he would be like a martyr and the the as things have gone on he's just become more and more cringe it's just hard to listen to the guy even as someone who you know has respect for him for being able to help me out to escape that kind of like plagued way of thinking that the white liberal way of thinking, capital W, capital L. We talk about it a lot. The, the white liberal mind. I had a white liberal mind, and I had to fix that. So he helped get me started on track. But that's what I mean. So you 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 go down that journey, and you can start with a guy like Ben Shapiro. But then if you're where I'm at, which hopefully we're close to being on the same page. I mean, I don't really care, but... If you've been following the podcast for a while, you've kind of seen the the evolution of it. And if you're where if if you're trying to be on a similar page to me, then by now you should view Ben Shapiro as a fraud and a grifter. And you can respect him as a fraud and a grifter, but just understand that that's what it is that you don't have to be like allies with all these people. They don't have to be just because they're conservative or like slightly right wing, that doesn't mean they have to be your allies and you have to defend them. 
It's like when I'm talking, if I'm talking to like a white liberal and then they try to, well, Ben Shapiro, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, I don't like him either. I'm like, the people I like, you would actually hate way more, but you don't know them. So I'm not going to mention it. But you wouldn't be prepared for that kind of thing. <laughs> so you got to find people you trust who over a long period of time. And that's the thing. That's why it takes time because it's like things are going to happen and then you want to hear their take on it and you want to see if you're still aligned or if they've completely diverged from your understanding of a situation or the way they're interpreting a situation. That's why the whole Kanye thing was very illuminating because you had all these people who are like free speech advocates, the conservatives, they're using him for a while. He's wearing like a White Lives Matter shirt. They like Kanye. Oh, now they like Kanye. And then he started to misbehave. I mean, this is what I said about the white liberal. The white, like I said this, because I, I started doing comedy again. And I said this on stage that like the white liberal loves black men until they misbehave. And then they actually become some of the most vile racists you could imagine. And truthfully, like, they're just like, I mean, they were the shut up and dribble people when it was Kyrie saying that shit. It was Kyrie saying that because we didn't even talk about that situation. And then they said, shut the fuck up. Mm, you know. And these are white liberals who are expressing that sentiment. They might say it with different words. But they want Kyrie to get on his knees and beg for forgiveness. And so his blackness is not enough for that to, to make them like him anymore because he misbehaved. Well, you saw the same thing with the conservatives when they turned on Kanye, where they were like, they loved Kanye for like two weeks. And then Kanye said some stuff about the mustachioed man, as Hotep puts it sometimes. And all of a sudden, these conservatives want Kanye to shut the fuck up because he's misbehaving. So that was illuminating for me and a lot of people who I thought I liked. That really, it's not like I'm, I'm not doing it as like a purity test. And I'm not saying I, I now detest these people. But I'm saying... The, the way that they handled that situation, to me, was important and illuminating. And it made me, it gave me pause on certain people who I thought I liked. Because I'm like, if you're not willing to go there, especially in the way that he did it where he was trolling. I mean, we could talk about that. So let's, let's take our first, um, you know, let's take our first veer off course here. And let's talk about that. So one second, I'm pausing. Fool I am. I click stop instead of uh, pause by accident. So there's a little skip there. That's why. So let's, let's diverge here and we'll talk about trolling because it's something that I've spoken to you about before. And basically I could probably teach like, I don't know if I'd be able to f like fill up a full semester, but maybe I could teach a few classes on the art of trolling. And it's something that I've done and has interested me for years, just trolling on the internet. And just like different techniques and kind of realizing like, what, what does it really mean to be a troll? Because a lot of people don't fully understand what that means. 
Who the fuck is playing music that loud? That bothers me so much. What is going on? Do you hear that? Oh my God, is there a... There's a parade? Holy shit, there's a parade going through town. A Christmas parade, all right, whatever. Keep it down, would you? Don't mean to be a curmudgeon here. What was that guy's name? Who's like, he doesn't, he's like Bah Humbug. What was his name? Taking a sip. So what does it mean to troll? And we've talked about this before. It's like, what does it mean to troll? If you are on the internet, if you're on Twitter and you're, and you're pissed off and you're livid and you're saying to someone like, you're just a stupid faggot or whatever you're saying to them, you're not trolling. So that's the important thing. I think that's the most important thing about trolling is that <clears throat> if you're not having fun, it's not trolling. If you're angry, it's not trolling. If the other person is angry and you're laughing, congratulations, you're trolling. So that's what you got to understand first of all. And that's like a very basic core principle of like what trolling is. And I'm telling you this for a reason because it'll help you understand this Kanye situation and make sense of it a little bit. And some of what I'm going to tell you I got from other people who helped inform my understanding of the situation such as Mofax and Hotep Jesus as I had mentioned. Um, and Owen Benjamin, but this one's like, th this is, this is some original thought here. So I think like we could relate it to comedy a little bit and I, I won't, I won't like belabor this point too much because I know like comedians always think that people want to hear about the ins and outs of comedy more than people actually care about it. Cause I don't really think, especially like being out of the game for a while where I wasn't really doing it for a year, all those podcasts, like if I would listen to like a random Joe Rogan episode where he had on a comedian and then they're talking about like the craft, I'd be like, all right, I don't, I don't care. I'd be like, can you talk about something else? Can you talk about like what's going on in the world? I don't really care about your writing process. I just don't care. And even now, like starting to do it again, I just don't really care what Joe Rogan's writing process is. I get that he gets home from the comedy store or whatever. I guess it's not the comedy store anymore. I get that he does comedy and then gets home and then he writes. I get that. I don't know why he has to say that. He's probably said that on 600 episodes. So it's, it's totally, I get it. And uh, let's move on from that, Joe. I don't really listen to that podcast anymore. It's kind of hard to. It just depends. It depends on who's on. But anyway, <clears throat> I'll keep this brief just so it's not like boring and you don't hate it. When If you're like me and, and you're kind of like being, and I, I just love being controversial. I love controversial topics. That's what interests me. I love if someone says you can't talk about something, I'm like, that's what I always wanted to do with comedy because that's a great utility of comedy. You can talk about the thing that you're not allowed to talk about and people can't really get mad at you. And then if you add on this like layer of irony where it, everything becomes very um, opaque, 
like people's ability to actually understand whether or not you're serious. They can't discern if you're being serious or you're just being ironic or you're just being silly. And so you add on that layer and it's like truly you can say anything you want. I mean, you probably can't say the N-word, but that's about it. And you can't, honestly. If done correctly, like you absolutely can do that and you can get away with it. But especially with other things, like that being the most extreme example. But like you could say stuff about trans people. You could say stuff about Jews. You can say stuff about you know, whatever, like you, you could say plenty of stuff. You can say stuff about black people and you, you can get your point across without like people getting really mad. People laugh actually, if you're doing it right, people actually think it's funny because they understand what you're doing. So as you go along that, like it, when, when you start doing comedy, you might want to do like, what's taboo? What's taboo? I'll do like a rape joke. And you think that that's taboo. Or you do jokes about like dead babies. You're like, that's taboo. That's taboo. But then you kind of, you level up from that if you're growing and learning about comedy or about like what is truly taboo. Because those things are very basic and, and I just like, I don't even like that. Like, I don't really like those kind of jokes. I don't, I, I because I don't even think they're, tr like, they bother me for two reasons. It's like that person thinks they're being edgy when they're not. It's kind of like lazy being edgy. It's like that's all you could come up with. Like, you wanted to say, <coughs> you wanted to say the most controversial thing you can think of, and that's what you came up with. It's kind of embarrassing. It's like that's the best you could do. It's not even really taboo. I'm like, did you even consider what you really can't talk about? Because when you start thinking about that, the answers become a lot more clear. And it's definitely not that hack shit. It's not, it's certainly not hacky. You want to know why it's not hacky? Because no one talks about it, even comedians. That's how you know it's not hacky. For something to be hacky, people have to do jokes like that all the time. So every comedian who fancies themselves an edgy comedian, especially if they don't grow at all, if they don't get any better, that's what, that's the jokes they're making. They're making dead baby jokes. Well, all of you had dead baby jokes. Okay. Every one of you edgy comedians has dead baby jokes and it's hacky. So as I was going along, I was like, you reach that point <laughs> that Kanye reached where you're like, you finally hit that point where, where you're on this, where you're on this journey of, of being controversial and you go, I'm going to deny the Holocaust. That's where you get to. Okay. I mean, like, I'm just trying to give you context because if I'm understanding Kanye correctly, which is that he's trolling and he's doing this to be controversial, to get more attention. And like, I don't like who he's surrounded himself with. I don't like Nick Fuentes. I think he's kind of a retard. I don't have any respect for Nick Fuentes and I don't like Milo. Milo sketches me out. I don't like him at all. So I don't like, but he he at least like kicked Milo out. And then there's that guy, another guy like Ali something. I don't like that guy either. So I don't like these people he's surrounded with right now, but I think he'll move on. I think he'll find the Hoteps, hopefully. I mean, that's what Hotep thinks and that's what I think too. But I think that would be really good for him and for him to speak to Mo. Like he needs to speak to Mo Facts. It's very important. Hang on, I'm taking a, I got to open the water bottle one sec. We're on to a second water bottle here. 
so that but that's what you got to understand because I realized that probably four years into doing comedy that it dawned upon me where I was like sitting one night and I was like probably writing and I was like fuck I want to really really like take it to the next level like I want to do those things because it was around that time I was probably writing like trans jokes and stuff and like really like kind of pushing the boundaries and just being like what is worse than this what's the thing you cannot do and how could it be funny? And it was like Holocaust denial. You get there eventually because you're like, what's the most sacred thing? And this is interesting. Academic agent who I also like a lot. <laughs> I'll just list you some people right now really quick. People you could look into that you might find interesting. Because, you know, if I don't put out an episode for six weeks and you're feeling lost and you want some similar type of analysis. And I would say in a lot of cases much better than what I could provide you would be like um academic agent is really good hotep jesus and mo facts i already said that very good um thomas 777 who i just discovered is amazing but he says um a lot he says um a lot and he's hard to listen to but if if you can withstand that the information that you're going to get is great pete canones so they did a series together and they're now doing a new series but it was Thomas 777 and Pete Canones. Just look that up on YouTube. They did a whole like 20 episode series about World War II. That you, things are not what they appear. You know, I'll put it like that most basically. But a lot of people, they, your, your view of like war is so wrong and i'll get more into that a little bit later in the episode i think because we can relate that to ukraine and russia but like if you're still viewing war you have to get out of marvel brain get out of marvel brain there's no captain america there's no iron man it, this is not what you think it is this isn't like good versus evil none of that stuff is real that's fantasy and that's mythology and i you know, maybe it is real because mythology is real. And like if everyone shares this mythology, then it's very real. But it's not true. So that's what you need to keep in mind. I mean, you don't need to do anything. But I'm just trying to tell you. And that's also some dangerous information because you don't even necessarily want to know the true history. And I'm not saying it's like that crazy controversial, but there's certain points of it that you might not even want to know. But at least be very careful when you have this knowledge, be careful with it because it, 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 it'll make sense if I explained it to you. Hang on. So anyway, look up those people, um, especially when, when you're, when you're uh, being deprived of me and, and you're not getting enough me then you can go, these are good alternatives for you. And obviously no agenda, but I, I plug them all the time. So if you haven't like gotten on that wave yet, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to change your mind probably. But they, they're, that's the best uh, for current events, let's say. So that's what you got to understand in that context. Because you go, okay, it's like for me, it, it was like, I'm going to deny the Holocaust, but you're going to laugh. 
That was the challenge that I gave to myself. How can I get these people to laugh at me denying the Holocaust? And I figured out different ways to do that. And that is like really good trolling because like, and that's not like, that. it's not like internet trolling, but it's kind of trolling in the sense that I'm like, some of what I'm saying is true. <laughs> not all of it. And you're laughing at it. And it, this is the most sacred cow of all. And what I was going to say about academic agent was that he made a list basically of things that are like off limits to the regime. And when you think about it, let's put it like this. You think that it's really controversial to talk about trans stuff, but to the regime, it is not. That's the important distinction there. Like the regime is actually okay with that. And how can you prove that? I mean, what would be your basis for saying something like that? And, um, Look at Matt Walsh, who's like pretty famous now, and he works for the Daily Wire. He puts up these videos on YouTube. They don't get taken down, okay? His bank account doesn't get closed. They don't try to take his children away from him. So you got to think about like, is it really off limits? I mean, <coughs> I would agree that it's taboo. I'd still call it that. Probably. Or like frowned upon at least by some aspects of, by some facets of society. But the regime is willing to allow that. The regime is willing to allow you to speak about that and they won't try to ruin you. So you could juxtapose that with like the most famous revisionist historian on the World War II topic, which is David Irving. He was banned from over a dozen countries, okay? I saw a tweet from Robert Malone, who's also pretty annoying now. Um, he's like one of the, the anti-COVID doctors. And he shared like, I don't know, some YouTube documentary or something. I didn't even look into it. I just saw it, it was like a YouTube link and it said the most censored man in the world. And it was a picture of Robert Malone. And I was like, shut the fuck up. I was like, Robert, okay. You know, I, it's like, I don't really, I don't like him. He's just off-putting to me. And it's like, again, I, I, I like what he says sometimes, I do. But I don't like him. And him trying to make himself this like martyr who was censored, like, you got taken down from Twitter and YouTube. That sucks, okay? But look at what Kanye, look at what Kanye just went, went through. And you're going to, you're going to say that you're the most censored man in the world in the midst of all this happening. And of course, you would have heard about it at least a little bit. What's going on with Ye? And what did Ye do? Because see, the regime does not want you really to expose that their, their so-called medicine is actually not so good for you. They don't want you to expose that. So they'll take you off Twitter and they'll take you off YouTube. But you start talking about certain things and like certain groups of people. And we'll get into like the folly of that too. Because I'm not necessarily saying 
it's good that Ye is doing this, but I'm trying to give you a better understanding. But you look at the reaction, like you would think one would be worse than the other. You would think the Malone thing would be worse because with Malone, it's like, here's this highly credentialed doctor who's going to undermine your narrative about this, this thing that you're calling a medicine or a treatment, whatever. Well, that's credible. And then here you have this guy who's like a hip-hop artist and fashion designer. And a lot of people just think he's crazy. A lot of people just think he's crazy. I mean, many, many people think that he's just off his meds. And they're going to go to those lengths to silence the crazy guy. More so than the credentialed doctor. You have to start asking these questions like, what is truly appropriate? as far in the eyes of the regime. So it just gives you a better understanding, I think. You think it's trans stuff? Well, it's clearly not because Matt Walsh's bank account isn't shut down and they aren't trying to take his kids away from him. I'm also not even trying to say it's necessarily true. Like, here's what I think the regime worries about when it comes to a guy like Kanye, like he's very influential. And Mo was talking about this last night, like Mo and Hotep Jesus did an episode together. And Mo always says like black people's superpower is influence. Black people can really influence culture. That's their superpower. That's why they're very important politically, as far as these, you know, like the Democrats are concerned or the Republicans. But I think the Democrats have a better understanding of this which is why the the black vote is so important to them because they know that black people have this superpower of influence and culture. A lot of the American mythology, the American story as people know it today, what America is to the average person, how they understand it, a lot of it comes from this hero mythology based in World War II, that still carries on to this day. I mean, it's like you have the New Deal and World War II. It's like the foundations of this America that we're still in, that I think is on its last legs, it seems like, before someone comes in and kind of shakes things up. I mean, I don't really see what else could happen besides like a total collapse. I don't see that as being likely. I think it's more likely that not necessarily that someone fixes it, but that they change it enough that they extend its its life, uh, like the duration of, of its life. Maybe we get another 50 to 100 years out of this thing. And I'm not entirely sure how they would do that, and I don't really have any recommendations, to be honest with you. I mean, maybe I do, but that's not what this episode is about. So when you get an influential guy like Kanye, who is, you know, he might not, he's probably not as influential as they're making it seem, the degree to which they're trying to silence him. But he is pretty influential. And what he's talking about leads to, like, the peeling back of the layers of this mythology that is like, so important to the legitimacy of the regime.
Like the World War II storyline, it creates a justification for like everything America has done since. It's that good thing that, that they can always lean on. No matter what happens, no matter when America is wrong, America was so right that it's fine. It's like, what, what's a million dead Iraqis when we beat the Nazis? Really, when you think about it. I know you're mad about the Iraqis. I know you're mad. It was a lot of them. I know it was a lot of civilians. I get that. But we beat the Nazis, man. World War II, back-to-back World War champs. This is very important. So when Ye is talking about... When Ye is talking about Hitler, and he's talking about the Holocaust, and he's talking about Jews being, you know, root causes of this, I don't really think that's true. That Jews, like, are in charge. And I think... Because it's still probably wasps. I mean, that's like... I don't know how the Jews would have pulled one over on the wasps and really taken over. Like, something that was said... I think this was also Mofax saying, like, how does Israel defend itself? Iron Dome. Who do they get the Iron Dome from? If you don't know what the Iron Dome is, it's a missile defense system. Who do they get the Iron Dome from? United States. So who's in charge? It's like, it would be a a threat to the existence of Israel if we stopped supplying them with missiles and maintenance for those missile defense systems it would be the end of israel like i mean they'd have to really quickly figure out how to do it themselves so maybe it wouldn't be the end of israel but they are in a subservient position to a large extent so if the jews are in charge i don't know how that would be the case and that's just one example of many so when you look at like how Jews became really influential lawyers, it was basically because they did things that Christian lawyers didn't want to do. And so there was kind of a shift where like, when hostile takeovers started happening and there was lots of litigation and Jews were really good at litigation, they kind of got this. And when you talk about landlords, And you talk about the friction between blacks and Jews. A lot of it comes from Jews owning, you know, the tenements where blacks lived, like the Bronx, and owning all those buildings. But why did they own those buildings? Because the WASP didn't want them. The WASP had all the buildings in Manhattan. Is the Bronx in Manhattan? I don't think so. But so the WASP had the financial district buildings. I mean, Rockefeller Center, the Rockefeller family isn't Jewish. And I know that the Rothschilds are like an important factor here, but still. (laughs) So I don't, I make jokes about it. That the Jews control everything. Because it's kind of funny. But I don't really think that. But I'm not, like, shy about criticizing really awful Jews 
and pointing out the connection. I don't mind pointing out that they're Jews. Because I'm like, fuck those Jews. I have no loyalty to those Jews. That's my point, usually. It's like when you look at Sam Bankman-Fried and you look at what he just did. And I don't even necessarily, like, that might have all been a setup. Because what they're doing now in response with all this crypto regulation, I'm like, wait a minute. Did he get fucking set up and he was just so dumb that he didn't pay attention to what was going on? I mean, I know he knew what was going on. But do you think he was getting advisement from these people being like, oh, no, you'll be good. You'll be good. Like, they could plant people. I get a little tinfoil hat right now. They could plant people in there, in that company who were giving him advice and they could be like, yeah, make this like Alameda, you know, whatever here, here's how you can do it. Here's how you can pull it off and you could be super rich and the company will be so successful and you'll be good, dude. They're not going to look into it. Like you're good, man. I think it's possible. Like, I think it's possible that it was all him, but I also think it's possible that they just set this motherfucker up. But regardless, whether he was set up or it was his idea, I look at that Jew and I'm like, fuck that Jew. I don't associate with that Jew. Like he, I don't feel camaraderie with him just because he's Jewish and I'm Jewish. And this is what Owen was talking about on his podcast, because they're calling it like, it's a funny meme. It's called the noticing. That's kind of like what people are calling it, the noticing. And what Owen said, which I I just couldn't have put it any better. He says what, what your average everyday Jew should do, which is like me and a lot of Jews that I know is the distancing. Distance yourself from those Jews. You know, I don't look at... I don't look at Epstein and see any sort of camaraderie because he's a Jew. Or was a Jew. Before he unfortunately committed suicide. I don't see any camaraderie there. Like... I look at these, like, I don't look at George Soros and feel any camaraderie with him. I'm like, fuck that Jew. That's not me. I am a good Jew. That's a bad Jew. I want to make it clear. I want to make it clear to people that I'm not just like, he's a bad guy, but it has nothing to do with him being Jewish. Maybe you could do that. Maybe if that's your style, I go, fuck that Jew. That Jew is not like me, Jew. I'm good Jew. That's bad Jew. I want to make this very clear to you. I'm getting a little, like, congested. Maybe because we're getting so heated, dude. So I'm trying to take sips of water to, like, manage that. But, like, I want the distinction to be drawn because... That's the way I see it. It's like, if you excuse this behavior... So it's similar to to what happened with um, the Catholic Church and all the pedophiles. If you're a Catholic... And you try to defend those people, then what's going to happen as a result? People are just going to go, oh, all Catholics are pedophiles. It's not just the priests. They're going to go, you're either a priest and you're a pedophile or you're a Catholic and you condone it and you think it's okay. Or you don't believe it because you're so devout and you're so loyal to this church. And so people are going to go, wow, well, they might not say... They might not say, I mean, that, that's what's good. that would be the result. Like, you have to distance yourself. As a, as a Catholic, you have to go, I don't condone any of that. And I don't care who does it. 
I don't care if it's the Pope who does it. If the Pope does it, execute him, you know, give him the guillotine. You have to distance yourself from that. But call it out and be like, I know they're Catholic. And I know this is a systemic problem with Catholic, with the Catholic elite. And the way that they decided to handle it was like the worst way they could have possibly handled it. And I recognize that. And there's a link there. And I don't condone it and I'm distancing myself. So that's what I say. I think that's the move. It's not saying like when Lex Friedman talks to Kanye, and I keep calling him Kanye, I know it's Ye, but it's a hard habit to break. So when, when Lex Friedman's talking to Ye, and it's like, why is it important? Why, why is it important that they're Jew? I just don't understand why it's important that they're Jew. Why is it important that, uh, why is it important that they're Jew? Lex Friedman is so hard to listen to. He's really bad. Um, but he seems like a nice guy. He seems really nice and kind, but he's, he's not good at podcasting. I'm taking a sip. So what I would, what I would say, cause Kai, like, yay is not that good at, I think this is all new to him. Like it's happening really fast. He's kind of in warp speed. Everything's coming at him really quick. <laughs> like all of this is being laid on him at once and, a lot of us have years to go through all of this and make sense of it and really get like a better understanding and, and kind of like when you're able to digest all this, then you're able to start like formulating your own thoughts on it. Now that you have all this information, everything has been exposed. You have all this information. It's more reliable. It's more true. And you're able on your own to kind of come to better conclusions and to articulate it well because you got a lot of knowledge behind it. You could, you could draw on a lot of examples. Ye doesn't have that, so he's not that able. But, again, to my point, like from earlier, from just before, that that would be my response to Lex if he's asking that. I would say, because I want to point out the bad Jews. I want to be the Jew who's calling out the bad Jews. And I want to distance us from them. It, this is what, so this is what's interesting to me. It's like when, when the Kyrie thing happened, so we could talk on Kyrie for a, for a moment. And Kanye. No, you know, it's still yay. It's still yay. But it's also Kyrie. When I see these people who are like the head of the ADL, Greenblatt or whatever his name is and some of these like because the ADL is just a Jewish lobbying group it's a powerful Jewish lobbying group that's what the anti-defamation league is and I can tell you about the beginning of it and maybe I'll tell you that story on this episode but if not then I'll tell you on the next episode because I gotta go get I'm gonna go get lunch with my woman in a little bit but I definitely can do another like half hour or so When I saw what was going down, particularly with Gay and, and that initial knee-jerk reaction from the Jewish establishment, which I don't identify with because those are elites. I mean, it's the same way, like, none of us really identify with elites. We're not elite. Maybe we want to be, but we're not. So 
I think one of the mistakes I think like that's where people get it twisted that when someone's calling out the Jews, they think they're talking about you. You think they're talking about them. Like, I don't make the mistake. I know Kanye's not talking about me. I know Ye's not talking about me. I think there's there's dumb, true anti-Semitism, or I would just call it anti-Judaism. And that's like the skinhead neo-Nazis. Because you have to start thinking about what are the implications of aligning myself with particular ideologies? I don't align myself with neo-Nazis because I think they're retards. I don't have respect for them. And it's not their hatred of Jews that makes me hate neo-Nazis or their hatred of blacks. It's the fact that they're retards. So I'm like, I don't want to associate with those people. I want nothing to do with those people. I don't have any respect for them because they're retarded. That's what the real problem is because... There's things that could be described as anti-Semitic or anti-Jew that are actually not. And that are valid critiques of a group of elites that rhymed. And I know they're not talking about me. So if I see a skinhead who's covered in like Nazi tattoos being like, I fucking hate Jews. I might think that guy's talking about me because I don't think that guy's smart enough to discern the distinction, what's really going on. The people who he thinks of as his thought leaders, I don't think he's smart enough to discern like what they're really even talking about. And some of their thought leaders are like grifters, the same with any other group. It's like you got your Richard Spencers. And I think Richard Spencer's smart enough to know that he's just leading this group of retards and profiting off them. Sip of water. So you gotta be able to understand me. When I say, because this was the response that I was getting from some of my coworkers who were Jews. Because it was like after the, um, <coughs> after the um, Alex Jones episode, I came into work and one of my coworkers was like, Dave, you cannot still tell me that you stand with Kanye. You cannot tell me that. And I was like, I'm sorry, I do. Sorry, man. I'm still rolling with Ye. And they couldn't believe it. And the look on their face, and this was their interpretation of it. They think that by saying that, I'm saying that I stand with these skinheads with Nazi tattoos. And I'm like, you don't have, you have that same you know, lack of understanding. You don't know who we're talking about here. You don't know what's really being discussed. You think that by saying, I still stand with Kanye, I'm saying I stand with neo-Nazis. And you're unable to discern, or you're unable to understand that, or you are, I think, but your reaction, and I think that this has been, like, this is the trauma, this has been the trauma porn for Jews. And I know what it's like, and I went on birthright, and I know all these things, and I went to a Holocaust museum in Israel, and I, I get it, because they have ingrained in you this trauma, this ancestral trauma. It's similar to what they do with black people with slavery, and it's not like it's not right to be upset about it, but they lay it on thick, and they want you to react a certain way, and it's like a type of mind control.
And when people say wild shit, like you get a very visceral and emotional reaction because you've been conditioned to. So when I say to my coworker, yes, I still, I still support Kanye, his reaction, what happens in his brain is he sees me with like a pitchfork and a torch standing next to a bunch of skinheads saying, kill the Jews, Kristallnacht part two. That's what he sees. And he's not understanding what Ye is saying. He's not understanding what the true criticism is. He doesn't understand the distancing, the concept of the distancing. He doesn't understand the trolling mechanism at play because I don't think I finished that thought. But if I'm on the same page as Ye, which I'm not sure if I am, but if I am, then he's trolling. And he said that, you know, I went on Alex Jones and out, out Alex Jones to Alex Jones. So he was saying shit that's so wild that even Alex Jones couldn't abide it. And I think Alex comes from a good place in that regard. I mean, he doesn't talk about the JQ ever. But I think it's because he's like, his message is more like, let's band together. He's got more of almost like a socialist-y message. I mean, I know he always says he hates socialists, but this kind of like, you know, working people of the world unite. This, this message of unity that I don't think is necessarily bad, but it makes him very averse to those sorts of statements. So, yay, if you think he's being serious, I just don't think he was being very serious. I don't think he's being very serious about this. <coughs> I think he's serious in the sense that Jews have fucked him. And he's noticed that they're Jews. That's the noticing part. And I think we as Jews, our knee-jerk reaction is to defend those people even though they're awful in a lot of cases. And if you saw those text messages from his old Jewish trainer, whatever that guy's name was, I forget his name, I apologize. But if you saw those messages and your, your knee-jerk reaction is to defend that guy because he's Jewish... What I'm saying is you should distance yourself from that guy and you should say, fuck that Jew. Make it clear and say, I am a Jew. I am a good Jew. And I look at that Jew and I say, fuck that Jew. That's what you should do. I'm rhyming a lot today because <laughs> I'm talking about yay so much. Because that's how you could dispel that illusion. People talk to me and they, they get afraid sometimes. I mean, you, you could talk to someone new and they might not know. And with everything that's been going on and Jews have been an, a topic of conversation. And so if someone doesn't really know me and they think they can't say certain things, but I'm like, hey, I want to make it clear to you that if we're having one of these conversations, I get what you're saying and I won't get all emotional and defensive because I understand what's being said. I'm not going to misinterpret you and think you're talking about me because I think it's a problem too. And I'm not exactly sure, you know, what the final solution should be. I'm just joking. Come on, relax. But at least for me, I just want to make it clear that I'm not with those people. And I know that I share this in common with them. This ethnicity I share in common with them, but that's not enough for me to um, condone what they're doing. 
it has nothing to do with their behavior. And I know that. It's not the fact that they're Jews that they're awful. Because I'm a Jew and I'm not awful. Although some people would say otherwise. But at least if I'm awful and then those Jews are good, like we're, we're, our behavior is completely different. But we're both Jews. So I know it's not like a race thing. I know it's not like inherent in them. I always make jokes. I'm like, you know, like I, I, the, like I lie a lot because I'm Jewish. That's, I lie so much because I'm Jewish and I deceive people. But I can't help it. It's just in my blood. That's a joke. So when I see people behaving that way, I'm like, it's not because they're Jews. It's because they're awful. But I want to separate myself as a Jew. Because I want people to understand that there's this distinction there. If that makes sense. And so, the point that I was going to get to just a little earlier was the reaction from the Jewish establishment to what was going on. So first they did it with Ye, and they say, and I made like a joke about this, but it's like, Ye goes, you know, they control all the banks. And the Jews go, no, we don't. Shut down his bank account. Shut it down. All of them. And then Ye's like, they control big corporations. And they're like, no, we don't. Shut down his Adidas deal. Cut the deal. No more deal. And he's like, the Jews control social media. And they're like, no, we don't. Ban him. Ban him from Instagram. Ban him from Twitter. Ban him. So I look at that and I'm like, what are you doing? You're validating everything you're saying. And I look at it. I'm like critiquing the Jews to protect regular Jews. You understand? That's where I'm coming from with it. Like, I feel bad for, like, really traumatized Jews. And they're really, like, paranoid and stuff. I feel bad about that. I don't want them to feel that way. I don't feel that way. I don't feel in danger because I'm Jewish. But I feel bad for people who, like, truly feel that way. And they're really traumatized and because, again, it's like this conditioning. I feel bad for them. And I'm like, you're making it worse. So these elite Jews who are making the calls are ending up making it worse for average everyday Jews to be like, no, we don't do that stuff. Why are you doing all of that then? Stop doing all of that. If the guy's saying Jews control the banks, you can't cut off his bank accounts, thus proving what he's saying is correct. And it does, like, again, it doesn't even necessarily prove that what he's saying is correct because it's not. Like, a lot of major banks are not owned by Jews. But, your reaction to what he's saying makes it seem true. So why are you doing that? And then there was the Kyrie thing. And the the interesting about, what was interesting about Kyrie and the way that played out is that they actually overplayed their hand. Like the ADL and Joe Sy, the owner of the Nets. I think he's the owner. They overplayed their hand. Because they said, Kyrie, you shared this um, 
<laughs> you shared this thing. Like, that was all he did. He didn't even say anything about it. He just shared this link to this documentary. Like some black Israelite stuff, basically. And people were mad at him. And, like, actually, it was like the culture was against him at first. People were not happy with Kyrie. And it was pretty unified opposition to Kyrie. And then the Nets and the Jews basically said, get on your knees and beg for forgiveness. And they actually overplayed their hand where black people were like, oh, you can't do that. They were like, we get, he did something wrong, we get that, but you can't make him get on his knees and beg. I mean, it was like such a public display of like racial superiority coming from the, the Jewish establishment. Being like, you have to beg for forgiveness. He tried to give them $500,000, they gave it back and they said, no, beg first, then give us the money. They wrote in that list of like six things that he had to do. And it was at that point that they actually like, the Jews went too far. And that was really interesting to see and I wasn't expecting it. I was very happy to see people be like, stand up for themselves because people are really afraid because again it's like there's a there's a scope there's a there's like a spectrum of things that are okay there's a window and there's clear boundaries there's a left boundary and a right boundary and here's everything that's okay to say in the middle and Anything Jewish related or World War II revisionist related is outside of that window of things that is okay to talk about. Kyrie did that. People reacted negatively. But the Jews showed us that there's also, there's also certain things you cannot do publicly to a black man that are also outside that window where you actually reverse things, you know, you take people's anger at Kyrie away and you turn the anger on yourself because you're trying to do all these things again that like Kyrie was kind of implicitly saying about the Jewish power structure and Kai and, and Ye is literally saying explicitly, you're doing those things and you're exerting your authority over a black man. Black people aren't going to like to see that. And it doesn't really matter what that black man said. Especially in this case, because it was like, it's, it's on Amazon Prime. This is a documentary, it's on Amazon Prime. But all of this is coming down on Kyrie. It just looks like that same kind of unfair behavior that black people are accustomed to. So when they saw it, they didn't care that Kyrie had said something about the Jews, who they would ordinarily stand up for. Or at least that kind of is the way things usually play out. They didn't really care. I should say, like, publicly, like, in these situations, like, you know, Charles Barkley knew what he was supposed to say. Shaq knew what he was supposed to say about the Kyrie situation. But even it became okay for them there was kind of like a door open for them to be like, no, well, the Nets have gone too far. And that says a lot. Taking a sip.
<clears throat> so I feel like there's a lot more. Like there's so much more to talk about. But at least I was somewhat concise what we've done to this point. And I might I might have to stop now. Cause I probably should go. But let me let me wrap up with a little bit more. A little bit more. So Ah, no, because it's too big. It's too big. Like, I was going to start talking about World War II and stuff, but it's too big of a topic. And we, we will have to talk about that because there's things that you need to know. Like, but you, you got you to gotta know where I'm coming from. And it doesn't mean some of the things you'll hear, you got to... You got to relax. Like, it's easy to get excited when you find out new information than to jump to certain conclusions and say, like, well, if this is a lie, then it's all a lie. Resist that urge, specifically when we're talking about this topic. Because, like, what you'll find, maybe it's true that there's. I mean, it certainly is true that there's a powerful Jewish lobbying effort in the United States, and they have power, and that's very true. If you take that information and then go, you know, the um, if you take that information and go, all Jews are bad, Hitler was right. Um, there weren't, there wasn't a Holocaust. There were no mass executions. And if there were, then it was good. If you go to the, the, like, (laughs) that would make you like the skinhead retard. You have to have a more nuanced understanding than that. And this goes for so many. This goes for so many topics, especially historical and especially like with war, that's akin to you being like, Russia is evil and they're all orcs and the more Russians who die in this war, the better. And Ukraine is what is good in the world. You, I mean, you're, you're a retard if you think that. And I know you know that. But a lot of these people, they'll see it with one thing, but they won't see it with another thing. You just have to be able to apply that to everything and be like, okay. It's pretty complicated, especially with big events. It's very complicated, but you want to make it simple like a Marvel movie. Stop doing that. You just want a new Marvel movie then. So it's like you might get some like revisionist information. And now your, your new Marvel movie is you just change the good guy to the bad guy and the bad guy to the good guy. But you're still in a Marvel movie. Stop doing that. You know, if your old Marvel movie is FDR is the hero and Hitler's the bad guy and your new Marvel movie is that FDR is the bad guy and Hitler's the good guy, it's just a new Marvel movie. You have to be better than that. You have to be smarter than that. You don't have to do anything, okay? I'm just recommending it. So let's talk about that next time. 
we'll have a lot. We'll have a lot to cover next time. But I think we did some good work here, and I'm really, uh, I'm really happy that we had that. And I want to thank you for listening. And as always, I just want to tell you that I love you so much. Okay, so I'll see you next time.